0: What's up, everybody? Just want to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Jungle Television. Jungle Television is creating gourmet art and streetwear drawn and screen printed by hand here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, this dude, Alex, is making some of my favorite art. And uh, I have a bunch of Jungle Television t-shirts. They are heavy in my rotation and just always blown away by the things that he is making. The mushroom hunter jackets are some of my favorites. Those are really dope. But yeah, if you need jackets, shirts, hats, just prints, very cool prints, um, hit this dude up. The jungle television link will be in the episode notes along with the Instagram tag. And if you use the code DCP at checkout, you'll get 20% off of your next order. So take advantage of that. Check out the uh the Jungle Television Instagram, Cruz Alex's designs. Um they're very very dope and next level. Appreciate his support and sponsorship of this thing. Let's start the episode.
1: Down at the to start. down
0: what is happening everybody welcome back to another episode of the dan cable presents podcast thank you for tuning in to the program once again if this is your first time listening thanks for checking out the show you can find fresh episodes coming at you every friday and if you want to help support the podcast in a free way you can do so by clicking subscribe on itunes clicking write a review giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so and that will help propel the podcast into the tops of the itunes charts giving it more visibility on the national and international level and uh Just helping strangers find the podcast. Great way to uh, contribute to the sustainability and the growth of this thing. I appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. And I appreciate you just for tuning in. We've got episode 227 coming at you. Comedian Jake Silberman is on the show. Stoked to uh, share this chat that I had with Jake he is uh he's the first stand-up that i've had on the show really so it was cool to change things up a little bit from usually having musicians on the show i grew up such a big fan of stand-up and uh, i still watch quite a bit of it and try to keep up with all the specials coming out and uh the whole reason i started this podcast is from listening to stand-up comedians host their own podcast and that was a huge inspiration for getting to to do this thing. And I just always appreciated the uh the raw candidness, I guess, of uh of those podcasts and how they were just capturing these conversations and not really doing too much editing to to them and uh just kind of hanging out and talking shit, talking about life. And uh, that's kind of what I did here with Jake on this episode. We geeked out about comedy a little bit and uh, talked about writing process and and kind of uh, the state of things during all of this COVID madness. And uh, yeah, man, it was just a cool opportunity to sit down with this dude and uh get to know him we have a mutual friend in Alex Southworth who uh, has been on this podcast numerous times before maybe you know him as Dusty Fox or Alexander McKenzie he's a incredible rapper and overall visual artist and is often the sponsor of this podcast lately he is the the brains and mind behind Jungle Television so shout out to Alex Southworth for connecting us and uh definitely check out all of his art his music the junk tally stuff jake actually went out with alex recently on a uh on a hunting trip and we we talk about that briefly but jake did a just released a a write-up for willamette week on that whole experience so i will i will put a link to that as well as everything else for Jake Silverman so you can check out his YouTube channel. And he just released this, uh, this crowd work album not too long ago that is not only on the streaming services, but is also available um, on the YouTube channel so you can check all that out. The Jake on the street stuff is really great and uh, we chat about we chat about all those things. We're going to get into it momentarily. Don't forget to check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel. And uh, if you dig what you hear today and you're new to the show, I would encourage you to, to go back and, and check out some, some previous episodes as well as the I Dig Records series that comes out in this feed. If you're a, a music head, it's just my cousin and I diving deep into uh, a couple records each week that, that we dig and breaking them down and playing some tracks for, from it and uh, I also host another podcast with my buddy Andrew Harrison called Bible Buds that comes out every Sunday. So check out that if you want to hear some uh, some hippy-dippy spiritual talk or just two dudes usually getting pretty baked and talking about the Bible and uh, things of that nature, having, uh, having folks on from, from all religious sects. We've had some, some Muslim folks on, some Mormon folks on, um a jewish dude you know we're really trying to to cover all the bases but i'd encourage you to uh to really check out this sunday's episode it was a special one that we did with my grandma and uh it was a a really fun chat that we had with her she is such an unbelievable person just a a beautiful spirit so check into uh to that i'm about a week in to no weed doing this sober October thing. And, uh, where am I? This is October 8th. You're hearing this on the ninth. So I am i don't know, eight, nine days in or so and, uh, doing all right, man. I'll tell you what the dreams, the dreams are a fucking trip. It's something that's pretty common for someone that smokes weed every day. Once you stop, you start in, experiencing some very vivid dreams the THC for some reason seems to suppress some of the dreams that you have and uh the nightmares and the vividness of these dreams on a nightly basis have been an absolute fucking trip and uh that's one of the the biggest things that I've noticed thus far um I will still say being a week plus into this thing, I've experienced no benefits to not smoking weed. And, uh, I'm very stoked about that. That means that I'm going to probably get right back to it when this is over, baby. Um, but anyway, that's, what's going on over here. I hope everybody is, uh, doing well. I've been checking out these debates. We just had the VP debate between Kamala Harris and, and Mike Pence the other night, and, uh, I'll tell you what, I, I don't know how you watch these things at this point, and just don't understand, and don't know that, uh, that this is all a show, man, this is, this is, uh, some absolute bullshit, and, uh, Mike Pence looks like a, uh, a robot when he speaks, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy, but, uh, it's just kind of beyond me at this point that anybody thinks what's happening in these debates is, is real, I guess. I don't know. It's just uh, I want to be informed, you know. I want to have some reference for what's happening and uh, trying to uh, to not let it drive me absolutely insane. At least the memes are good, right? We're getting some incredible memes, and I can't believe how peop- how quick people are to uh to making this shit happen it felt like within 20 minutes there was an incredible amount of uh internet madness going on with the uh especially with the fly landing on on pence's head which was which was pretty great but uh we're less than 30 days away from the big election it's wild times people it is wild Times, but uh, like I said, I hope everybody's doing well out there. I hope you are finding a way to maintain your sanity during all of this. And I hope this is uh, a conversation that you can uh, you can sneak away from everything and, and just dive into this chat that I had with Jake Silverman. I think this dude is funny as fuck, and he's got so much material to check out the elon bit that he has on his youtube is one of my favorite things and to uh to kick the episode off i want to uh i want to play a track off of uh, jake's crowd work album that's available on all the streaming services and uh we're going to play this is this is a two-part bit so we're going to play the first part up top and then we're going to play the episode out with the uh the second part but this is uh this is titled Nice smile, hard eyes, part one. And uh, episode 227, everybody. Jake Silberman's on the show. All the links will be in the episode notes. Let's do the damn thing.
2: You doing good, man? I'm
1: fine, yeah.
2: Yeah? Thanks for asking. Well, this is the whole show, so. <laughs> We will be checking in with you and most everybody else. So, you know, I, just, I like to, you know, the early goings, we don't know, you know, some people are, you know, it's five bucks, anybody has five bucks. So we just want to... And you're a kind of guy who kind of looks like his five bucks could have gone either way, honestly. You know, you've got the scruff, but you're probably like a billionaire. I feel like this... What do you do for work, man? I'm a writer. You're a writer, yeah. all right. You fit your look, for sure, yeah. You got the beard, you got the gray, okay. What do you write? Uh,
3: Mostly commercials and salesy stuff. You're a sellout is what you mean, okay.
2: (laughs) Sorry. You had dreams of writing the next great American novel. You write Toyota commercials now, and that's okay. We all have to sell out, man, I get it. Fuck, what's your like dream project that you want to get off the ground?
3: Uh, When I started, I wanted to write theater shit yeah and then i started writing commercials and now i still write
2: now you're sitting in the front yeah. of a <laughs> five
3: dollar comedy <competition>. yeah
2: yeah <laughs> wow look how far look how far you've fallen my friend i'm so i'm so sorry <laughs> crazy wow you go to college for writing or are you like a hard knocks just did it yourself i went
3: to art school for writing for theater and then i did some like studying writing for film there so. okay I feel
2: like this is boring. Should I be funnier? No, don't. No, no, no. Don't try to be funny, man. It's going to be awful. Trust me. Uh, (laughs) No, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing right now. You know, some people are like hamming it up and it's like, this is terrible. Shut up. So, no, this is good. I just want to get to know you. You know, you're like, you're in right here. So I have to, it would be weird if I didn't talk to you. It'd be like I was purposely ignoring you, Uh, which I thought about. You kind of, you got, you got some, you know, yeah, I don't know. You got a nice smile but hard eyes, you know what I'm saying? Like you got you got eyes that have seen some shit, I feel like, you know. Maybe you've seen a dream die or two. I don't know, man. It's just like it is what it is, but I'm saying? Like, you just yeah, I can see it in you. And so I like that. But, you know, I was I was wondering if I was going to talk to you or not. But we're here. We're good. Your lady left, apparently. I don't know. Is she, she coming back? Oh, she's... Yeah, she was
3: worried. Oh, you're just
2: at the bar. All right. Oh, oh you're going to sit there for the rest of the show? Just for now? I can see you right there. Like, there's no... There's no... yeah. Oh, you thought you had an escape plan. No, I can... I, you, I can see literally to the back right now, so you're, you're all fucked, I don't know if you, your little weird sidecar thing is not going to work, but all right. I was like, man, that's a long piss, okay, oh, well, there we go, all right. You're just, you're ner- okay, well, now I, well, I'm going to talk to you now, I mean, I honestly, you're nervous to be talked to like this, or, because, you know, is it a little you're weird? you putting me at ease, by just... By putting you on the spot, yeah, all right. Maybe we'll go back to your guy, honestly. That was, you know, that was whatever. We, we had something going, you know, bring a woman into it, you know. <laughs> ah, okay, I'm just, fuck off, whatever, who cares? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, all right, man, that's cool. So, like, when you, you go to art school, your parents, what, do they approve? Were they uh, upset? I mean, because when you tell me I went to study theater writing, I don't hear dollar signs. I'll tell you that. Okay? <laughs> I, I hear, you know. What, what did,
3: did you have some support? Were you from an art family? Yeah, they were just happy I was getting a degree.
2: Yeah. Wow. So you had a... After
3: some broken dreams. I
2: was about, okay. Yes. Oh, so you broke some dreams early. Yes. Wow. Got a little bit of a past on you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nice. All right. You were you were a little troublemaker.
3: Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna say I was, but yeah, it took a while. <laughs>
2: what are you not? This isn't a stand, man. This is like I mean I'm not,
3: I, I didn't have a long prison sentence or anything. But, but yeah, you did have one. It, it took me a while. <laughs> but you had a prison sentence? Uh, no prison. That jail.
2: <laughs> That's the biggest asterisk I've ever heard in my life. Look, baby, it wasn't j- it wasn't prison. This is jail. All right. <laughs> Wow, yeah, all right. prison light, prison light huh? Okay. So <laughs> what what you did, what did you do to get into jail?
3: I was at Disneyland and fuck I- bro what?
2: <laughs> this, is a, this has okay, well, kids are involved no matter what at this point, even on the side. <laughs> wow, that was
3: not very true.
2: Alright, so, so, okay, so you're at Disneyland.
3: Continue. I just turned 18. I was at Disneyland drunk with my friends, and we were causing problems inside the park, and they kicked us out, and then we started causing problems in the parking lot and damaged a vehicle, and then the cops showed up and arrested.
2: Wow. Honestly, guys, that was a really, like, we could have gotten some really weird story right there, you know, like, whew, alright.
3: Yeah, just vandalism. Just
2: vandalism. That's honestly... J- hijinks, whatever, who cares? Okay.
3: That's what they call it.
2: I have one of those too, my yes. man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Crazy. Alright. So but that was it? That does that, I mean that's high school
3: shenanigans. Right, I spent the weekend in jail.
2: Oh bro, you came off as like you had served some time. <laughs> Boy, this is a roller coaster right now. <laughs> Well, you said, like, I had to get through some broken dreams. It's like your dream of not of having that weekend free. Like, that was the dream. You're like, boy, dude, I really wanted to have that weekend free. But I was in jail because I fucked up a Disneyland car. <laughs> yeah, I thought we'd talk in a little more time here. But uh, I thought you were a little more weathered in the cell. But all right. So when you were in jail, were people like, what did you do? You're like,
0: I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> If you're ready to do it, Jake yeah, Silverman. Baby. Uh stoked to stoked to have you on, man. You're I think probably the first stand up that wow. has graced the, the show. And I'm, You gotta get big, better talent than me, man. <laughs> <laughs> You got to get bigger <laughs> than, than
2: local Jake Silberman.
0: <laughs> I had my friend Aaron Ross on a while back. Oh, okay, but he's, he's more in the uh, the late night show yeah. kind of game. And, yeah, for sure. And even him coming up, it was more like that was always kind of the thing that he aspired yes. to do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, our mutual friend Alex told me about you right before you dropped this new Crowdwork album that yep. you that you put out recently. Yep. And uh, I checked it out, and then. I don't know, I felt, like, I felt like your your face was pretty familiar and I used to go to uh, the Helium open mic fairly frequently, so yeah. I feel like I must have for probably sure. seen you there yeah. once or twice. Yelling at
2: people in the audience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm stoked to chat yeah. with you because I grew up such a huge comedy fan and I spend a majority of my day still listening to okay. comedians that host podcasts and just, you know, somewhat of a, a comedy nerd. Hell and, yeah, and, dude. Uh, have always really appreciated that. And uh, I don't know, I fucked around and, and did a lot of uh, goofy shit in high school, like prank call CDs. Oh, really? And, and oh, shit. Yeah, like I caught on to the Adam Sandler stuff really oh, young, wow. so that, okay. that like hit me heavy. And wow. Yeah, I spent high school selling, just talking selling shit? prank call CDs. Really? Dude, yeah. Holy shit. Just a lot of shit that, you know, <laughs> it, it was just like That's real fucking- young, real young
2: what what um, kind of pr- like what kind of pranks were you pulling on the phone? Oh, man. These were the oh. days of like, did you really have to worry about like no one? Did you have to do a lot? Now you have to do so much setup to like hide your number. I right? feel like back in the day you were just using like your parents
0: phone and shit. Yeah, it was just a home. Yeah, landline, and <laughs> dude, the way that we would record it is my buddy Ryan. We'd usually do it at his house. We would throw it on speakerphone. And he would he would use a video camera. Oh fuck yeah! And then we would rip the audio from wow,
2: that. Wow, you kids were advanced. He bro. was,
0: I guess. I was just I just got to show up and, and do the thing. It was kind of just you like were the or, talent. It was like this one time occurrence. Yeah, it was like let's do some prank calls and then and you made a the, whole album out of it. It kind of like became our fun thing to do on the you know on the weekends. Yeah, and we would try to we would try to record like five or yeah, six yeah. of them and see how many we could get in the day. And it was ridiculous. There'd be anywhere from, like, two to four other people in the room also trying to not laugh. And I'm trying to not oh, break. Oh, dude. And it was, yeah, it was everything from, like, I did a 15-minute call with a priest from a Catholic church. Oh, that's some just, juice, baby. You know, just, like, saying the the raw shit to right. this, this priest. He just can't hang see, up on you. Yeah, just to see if what I can get him to do? break. I'm talking to him about gangbangs and things, and he's you know, just hanging tough. He's just like, look, you're a child of God and I know a thing or two about
2: gangbangs <laughs> because I'm a Catholic priest,
0: you know, just, just doing, uh, just calling Seven Elevens with terrible, you know, doing terrible accents shit. Oh, shit hell I yeah, would, dude. Uh, you know, <laughs> hell yeah. Shit. I would get canceled for now that well, I was you know, a young man. I was, I was, I don't was let that album kid. leak again and you'll be <laughs> fucking fine, dude. Um, but yeah, I just fucked around with that a lot. My fa- I think my favorite thing that I did was uh, I found another person in the phone book whose last name was Cable, and I just called this woman and, and told her that I thought that-, that I was her son. Oh, shit. And she was just, like, very caught off guard and was just like, why— why would you even think that? I was just like, I don't know, this is the number the agency gave me. You know. Wow. It just got that got that fucking dial tone yeah, real yeah. quick, like she unplugged the phone from the wall, you oh, know. Just shit. Kinda, kind so of, she,
2: you know, she does hey. have a a kid that she didn't raise out there. It probably isn't you, but there is a kid that she left somewhere.
0: <laughs> but uh yeah, spent spent a lot of time fucking That's cool, doing man. that and we made a couple volumes of it and sold them there at lunch. What was
2: your um did you have a name? No, like, I nah, just
0: it was just my name. Dan Cable. Yeah, was, okay. There was no like honestly, schtick. Dan Cable,
2: I didn't know if your real name was Cable.
0: Yeah, it is. I, I
2: mean, I'm it, sure you've gotten this all the time, but I mean Dan Cable,
0: that's Dude, not until I started doing this podcast did I get a couple people asking me if it was some sort of stage name and I've I, never been like, I kinda thought it was by it. And yeah, I was just like no one told you throughout your life that
2: cable is like Dan Cable sounds like a pretty b- kind of badass name.
0: No, nah, they were too busy like making cable guy jokes because oh. i grew up right around the time of that movie okay and it was there was a lot of yeah there was a lot of focus There was a lot of focus on that on movie
2: that. and your name <laughs> now it sounds like you know like you're like an x-men
0: yeah i Dan guess cable
2: i don't know that's a cool name dude
0: i'm just doing the own thing. it
2: <laughs> you know if you get married don't let her change your shit no, no way. She's got to take your name. Right? There needs to be more cable. Why would you not
0: want to take this? You don't want to be Dan Johnson or something yeah, like be, that. You don't want to be Dan Direct TV. Yeah. There we go. You know? You don't want to be that guy. Dan Dish. Fuck that,
2: <laughs> Dan dude. Dan
1: Dish.
0: Dan Dish?
2: <laughs> we're talking Dan Cable over here.
0: But, uh, yeah, man, talk to me about how you got into this racket, into this well, comedy I game, man. I always
2: find it so fascinating that there were, like, like true comedy nerds, because I was not one of those. Like, I was... Uh, you know I like dabbled in terms of like listening to stand up and stuff um but I was and a lot of my like stand up peers were like they grew up like you like I fucking all comedy was everything for me, and for me it wasn't I was like into sports and shit, and like was yeah. the funny kid maybe was like the funny guy or one of the funny guys in the group but was not like uh, you know there's all these guys who are, like yeah i would I would sneak downstairs and watch. Letterman, you know, like, and yeah. all this shit. I'm like, I didn't do, I hated Letterman. Letterman <laughs> right. fucking blew, and I- <laughs> Late Night sucks, you know, like, so I didn't really have that, like, comedy nerd angle. I came into stand-up, like, much later. I was, uh my kind of, like, genesis really is through podcasts, like, and I'm sure a lot of newer comics probably got into it trying from that, but I uh, I spent a year down in Central and South America, and, a uh, buddy of mine had given me his old iPod before I left, and uh, I just—I I, don't even know what a podcast was. This was in like 2012, um, and so I just found these one time. I had like Wi-Fi somewhere. I was like, "What's a fucking podcast?" I just started downloading a few, and a few of them were like Pete Holmes's, uh, you know, just yeah, Mark Marin, sure. just those those. And then I started listening to fucking Bill Burr's podcast, and then I was like, "Oh shit, Game this is, yeah!" I was like, "This is fucking insane." He's the
0: master right. of the of the solo cast. Yeah,
2: the solo cast. So I was like, like dying. And then I started looking his clips up on YouTube, and I'd be like, "Oh, like this is this is fucking good, and this is cool." And so I just was like, it just became like a bucket list goal. Like, hey, when you get back to the states, try stand up comedy. It was not like a lifelong dream. It wasn't a You know, some of these guys I've done it with, like, do comedy with, they, like, they knew they wanted to be stand-up since they were 15. They were like, this is my dream. And for me, like, not at all. Like, I I got into stand-up when I was, I think, 26, you know, maybe 26, late 25 or whatever. So I got into it not, like, early, but not, you know, mid-20s, you know, without really much of a background. But, yeah, I just was like, oh, I'll do it. Did my first open mic and ate shit super hard and was like, oh, dude, like, I'm... I'm fucking hooked though, and I just I just kept going with it, and fucking seven years later, it's that's it. So yeah, it's it's a it's a different story, I guess, because like a lot of people probably have your background where they were into like comedy, right, from the get, you know, and that that really wasn't my thing.
0: Did you find though, because, since you didn't have so much reference for it, that that your voice was maybe a little more your own from the get go, where? I feel like the musicians and the people that grow up with that, you're always kind of doing that impression of someone else when you're getting going.
2: I think with stand-up, like, even if you don't know a ton, like, I definitely, when I first started, and probably still, like, super influenced by Burr, like, aggressive white guy talking about shit he might not always should be talking about. A lot of kind of, you know, like, when I first started, a lot of, like, edgier shit because, like, Stan Hope and stuff. And you just think like you're a master all of a sudden and you can just like do those types of jokes even though people are like you are terrible Like <laughs> you should not be talking about this it's and you're not- just saying shit to be shocking yeah shit like that but um, I definitely think it's, it is it is kind of nice in some, I think it's probably pros and cons it's nice to have a little less reference points because I think people definitely get in that trap of like oh I'm going to be like him but with my own thing and for me I was just like I know like a handful of comics I'm doing my thing you know here it is and and keep it going i guess
0: yeah yeah it seems like even the uh the people that make it the comedians that make it talk about even that first 10 years of being maybe yeah. even a, a version of someone oh, else sure. before they they really yeah find their voice did you uh did you kind of go back after after you got hooked into it did you start kind of traveling back through time with all the all the specials the yeah. monumental specials that you may have not it's seen along the way.
2: It's funny. Like I definitely, yeah, you definitely just start to expand your like knowledge of the art and who's doing it and who's done it. Uh, it's funny though, because for me, even though like I've watched a lot more specials, like I still, it the ones that I did like as a kid, like still, I can go back to those. Like, The earlier Chris Rocks, obvious. I mean, those are like generational specials. Iconic. Right. Like,
0: that first Chappelle special.
2: Me saying that I like that isn't that special. But yeah, the first couple, like the San Francisco and the DC Chappelles, Chris Rocks first two for sure are, you know, those, the big ones. Um, The, honestly, dude, like, it's so funny. Like, uh, one of the first specials I ever watched was in my friend's basement in probably like fifth grade, and it was the original Kings of Comedy. Yeah. And that shit, I just remember, like, laughing so hard I couldn't breathe. And it's, like, now I look I – w- I watched uh, just Bernie Mac's part, like, maybe, I don't know, a year ago, just his set on that. And the shit he's saying, I mean, he, maybe he could get away with some of it. But, dude, it's all just, like, gay – you know, he's talking about his – that kid that he – his sister's kid that he dubs who's gay. And he's making fun of all these, like, gay jokes. And it's just, like – wild i think he's saying fag a lot to the point of like damn dude you would have had to clean it up i think but maybe you're so good that you wouldn't have i don't know it's weird to watch being like i thought this was the funniest thing and i still do but it's just crazy to see how much shit has changed in the like landscape of no one would do a set like that now right no one would fucking do a set like that
0: it was it's crazy it's interesting to see how like stand-up holds up over time especially you know, if they're, if they're making a lot of current references, yeah. topical references, you're kind of fucked if you're that's so fucked. like 20 years later.
2: I mean, dude, I remember watching like I think Mark Maron's I – I think he got a half an hour, and he was making fun of people who are into the internet. He was just like, dude, this internet thing, that's not going to last. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, it aged so <laughs> terribly. I mean, it's just so fucking funny. But he was just railing on these nerds who liked the internet, and it was just like, uh, well, you know, you win some, you lose some, I guess, dude.
0: Was your uh, – was your style going in more of you just doing storyteller storytelling observation stuff rather than like set up punchline type stuff?
2: I think it was more like trying to write jokes at first. Um, I've never been like a super strong storyteller, and I think it's still probably one of my bigger weaknesses. Um, I mean, I I mean, I mean, just like you were saying in the intro, like I released a crowd work album, and that that kind of has become more of my thing now is just like working with the crowd because... I don't know. It's something that I found that I was decent at and I kept working at and uh, almost almost to a point of like, shit, I need to get back to like the joke writing because you got to be able to have both. But when you have this thing that you're enjoying, it's hard to always get back to the thing that you know you need to work on more.
0: For sure. Especially if you feel like you're advancing at it.
2: Right. I mean, yeah, like... I was able to put an album out and the, and we filmed it and put it on YouTube for free and, like, you know, like, an al, uh, a label picked it up, which was cool, so we got to, like, put it out through a label. um So, yeah, like, those are, like, okay, I'm doing something right because these people fuck with it. But, yeah, like, the goal is to become, like, more of a well-rounded, you know, comedy machine, I guess, than just, like, he's really good at X, but he doesn't really fuck with, you know, this.
0: Do you feel pretty comfortable from the get-go of just, like expressing yourself on stage is that something you had ever done in any form before jumping on the mic
2: no not at all yeah I was not like a theater kid uh I had super like I had like when I was playing I played basketball in high school and I had terrible anxiety when I was on the court and like still to this day have you know (laughs) anxiety but uh no anything stage art that kind of performance art was totally foreign to me um and yeah it took me a while to get even like good with just being in front of people to that to a level where i was like okay i'm gonna say some shit because it's like i mean you're just so much more naked up there than a musician because at least a musician has like an instrument to like fill the space with you know even if you're a guy with just an acoustic guitar like you still have something up there with you and when you're doing stand-up at first like i am naked up here and it's bru- and i'm not funny either that's the thing is like i'm not good at this and i'm and everybody knows what i'm trying to be good at which i'm not doing right now like it's fucking terror i mean it sucks like it, you know it's great because you're addicted to it but you know there's so many times we're just like damn all right i bombed all right. night tonight i did three spots i ate shit on all three i hate myself and, you know, when I first started, it would last if I bombed on Monday, I'd still be feeling it on a Thursday. I would just be like, oh, God, I'm, like, That's, I'm so, you know, now you bomb. I don't think about it. I literally am not thinking about it. even when I'm on stage. I'm like, eh, I'll get another set, you know, and what I've moved on. But
0: and hopefully at least you're. uh your friends in the room right. get good laughs out of out of you if bombing. You're, if you're ma- <laughs>
2: if you're making only the back of the room laugh, you know the comics uh, are enjoying your fucking misery, and that's something <laughs> you know. So fuck it, right? Yeah.
0: Um. How how far in was it before you started getting some some laughs, some consistent laughs? Cons- <sighs>
2: that's a good question. It's weird. Like you start, you know, obviously. And, and, you know, there are some people who do comedy for years who are totally delusional, and they're, they're clearly not making anybody laugh. But for the most part, you know, you start to pick off, all right, I got this joke. This joke seems to work. Uh, but I don't know, like, let's see, I've been doing it for seven years. I feel like three, three and a half, four years is when I started to kind of feel like a level of, like, comfort to be like, okay, like, Not like I'm great, but I can at least go, I don't feel like I'm flailing the whole time, you know? Like, I don't feel like I'm just drowning. But, and I'm sure this is true for any art, like, looking back even three, two years ago, I'm just like, oh, thank God I'm not doing that shit anymore. You know, like, which is good. It's a good sign. But it is crazy that, you know, two years ago where I was at, I was like, oh, okay, like, I got this. And then i fast forward i'm like that sucked why would i want that like that's not what i want to (laughs) be you know you're always trying to like get better and hopefully you are looking at yourself and being like yeah i don't want to be that guy anymore you know i want to be something different i want to be better so it's definitely like an absolute process you know like full full on you always recognize it as a process to like okay this set went this way hopefully the next set will go you know just a turn up the laughter a hair and each time. If you're doing that, I think you're at least on the right track.
0: Yeah. I would imagine it'd be pretty rough too. If you have this, uh, this string of like great sets Yeah, and then all the, like you, you start creating some sort of, uh, you know, you're gaining some confidence, but then, then you start bombing again, Oh, dude, that must be rough. It's
2: up and down. I mean, It's like I think you want the overall line of the graph to be going up, but if you might if you zoom in on that graph, it's little ups and downs. You know, like you just want the trajectory to be going up, but if the line itself is like, you know, one week you're on top of the world, the next week, I mean, the only reason I started doing crowd work was like a couple years in. I just remember I think I bombed for like a month straight. Like I just anything I took on stage, I it just wasn't working, and I just eventually was like, you know what, dude, I can't do any worse than not bringing any material on stage. Like at this point you know, fuck it. Like I've, none of the things I've written for a month have done anything. So why not just try not doing material and just talking to people? And that's when I started to like get that kind of muscle starting to work out was simply because I was doing so poorly that I was like, dude, what
0: could happen? Like what worse could happen? I mean, God, I've
2: been (laughs) fucking bombing forever. Like, fuck it. So, you know, you just got to try new shit all the time.
0: Yeah, I would imagine developing like that crowd working muscle, too, is just like so helpful in in the entire act at all because there's always random shit that's going to happen. There's always going to be the asshole that wants to talk during the show. Exactly. And decide that they're (laughs) the show now (laughs) or like,
2: you know, even just responding to like not even a heckle, but just something that happens in the room. Someone breaks a drink or 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 breaks a glass or you know something there's all i mean that's what's cool about live comedy is that like the space itself is is part of the show like whereas you know if you're a band on stage like unless like a, a fight breaks out and you actually notice it like you're never going to you're not going to hear the chatter you're not going to hear uh, the the drinks being clinked you know you're not gonna hear someone's weird laugh I mean dude that yeah. half of it is like someone has a weird laugh and you kind of have to address it because you're like dude if I don't <laughs> everybody in this room is thinking that this person has a weird fucking laugh so you got to be like yo you have a weird laugh I'm just gonna move on but like you you know it's all about like owning the space in entirety it's not just the stage it's like what is happening for these group of people which I'm a part of right now and that's you know that's who knows that that, that could take you anywhere.
0: Yeah. It's not going to change your act or like as a musician, you're right, though. It's like they're not going to change the way they play the song no. probably from right. night to night because this person clapped a certain exactly.
2: way. Exactly. But like in comedy, like you, you know, you will go to if you went to a weekend, if you went to a Thursday, Friday, Saturday and you watch the same comic, like it would be mostly the same jokes. But you would see differences how they change stuff depending on how the audience they might throw an extra tag because the audience is killing it that night versus a Thursday night show where they're like kind of tired or what, you know, the performance is changed by the audience in some, in some way you can't, it's like an undeniable part of comedy, which I think is really cool.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, and if you get to go to comedy clubs on not those Thursday, Friday, saturday nights on those those main nights you get to see even the the big headliners bomb sometimes because they're they're just in there trying new shit totally
2: it's it it's like the most i mean i've never really done i haven't done music or like painting or anything so but i imagine for like it's just like when you're really zoned in on it you just know that like you really just have the moment like I've seen guys on a Thursday destroy and then on a Saturday early show, which you think would be the best, fucking eat it. And it's just like, you don't know. Like, you don't fucking know why that happened. Maybe the people, just this weird fucking, like, math where you're just like, wait a minute, so all these people somehow together just created a room where either they weren't feeling each other's energy or, like, something between the comic that night and the audience. But, like, it's just a, it's constantly, like, changing, you know? It's constantly like moving on its own logic in some ways uh and you have some control by like you having the best jokes you can have or the best chops but at some level like it's fucking it's a tight you know it's like you're just throwing yourself out there and you, and you got to kind of make it work
0: for sure is there any way that you prepare for something like a crowd work show for yourself like what like what can you do right walking into this thing that you don't know what's going to happen
2: I mean, when I was getting ready to record the album, I just started booking, like, I did a couple test shows down in Salem. There's, like, a small theater down there uh, that they let me work it out. And that was basically just, like, can I do an hour of crowd work? Can I talk to an hour? Can I talk to people for an hour? Um, And, you know, it's built through, like, little, you know, if I'm doing a helium set at the mic, five minutes, I'll do crowd work. Um, Shows, bar shows around town. It's just, like, getting your mind like quick enough sharp enough and comfortable enough to be able to like talk to people and and like i think half of crowd workers probably just like being okay with if someone gives you an answer that you really can't do much just like just let them talk for a little bit longer and you'll you know i think some people are like hey what do you do oh i'm a doctor oh what and you got to make a joke immediately you know it's like you don't have to do that just like no one's gonna mind if you ask them a couple more questions because if you get something really good about like you know they became a doctor because X, and you're like, oh, well, that's the, I don't know. I just try to find something interesting, and then I'm like, I can go with this, and then it just kind of is, goes from there, and it kind of builds on itself.
0: For sure. Part of it trying to, like, buy yourself some time a little bit yeah. in the moment, too, of, like, getting to kind of repeat what the person said so right. the, the rest of the audience can hear exactly. what they said, and you're just like, all right, he's a doctor. You're a doctor.
2: right. And you get that extra split second of like, what am I doing with doctor? What am I going to ask him? What am I going to say? And it's like, it's just like any other skill. Like you, it just becomes like a second nature. Like, okay, like I'm comfortable in this space of just like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. It also, for me, I think it turns on another level of just like, I'm in it. Like I'm, I'm invested now because like, you know, these jokes, like I've written these jokes and like, you know, I stand behind the jokes, but at some level, like I've already written this, I've said this a million times. It's not, It's You got to find ways to make it interesting for yourself, but crowd work will never, you know, never get that interaction. Even if you ask, talk to the same people 10 nights in a row, you would get different shit. So, um, there's just something different that I really like about it.
0: Yeah. It's gotta be, uh, I don't know. I can't think of a better exercise in listening too, because you can't, you can't be thinking about the next people you're going to be talking about. You gotta
2: just be like tuned into these people and just be like all right we're going with you guys and like we gotta make this work i'm gonna make this fucking work and uh yeah i don't know it's cool it's crowd work i think too is having a little bit of a rebirth because so many big guys are doing it like andrew schultz kind of blew up off of that really in terms of releasing all that shit. big j moshe kasher put out an album yeah, so there's yeah. there's these guys who are like kind of turning it into like hey this isn't just like when a comic is stalling this can be its own show this can be its own thing that 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 a comedian does with the career is like yeah you know when you go to see big j when he comes to helium you could go all five of those shows and they would be completely different shows because he's going to talk to the people who are there and and i like that it's it's coming into its own rather than just like, oh, this guy's bombing. He's got to talk to the crowd, which kind of I think it used to be known as more or less. is like, oh, his material sucks. I guess he's got to ask these people, what are they on a date or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. now it's kind of got its own like
0: path, I think, which is cool. I think that creates like a really memorable experience for the audience, too, especially totally. if they're the person that has the interaction with you yeah. or this comedian. You totally. Know? Like, how do you how do you not go home that night? Right. And get to talk about how you got to be a part of the act.
2: Totally. And, you know, like and people will just be like, dude, like you remember when he talked to that guy and like that's sh- holy shit. How that, You know, it's like it, I think it is more of a thing that they can, you know, people can just immediately like be like, oh, shit, we know this is not written down. You know, we get that this is happening. This, there's no way he could have made this up. This is happening right now. I'm in like I'm into it. So yeah. I think that's a very cool part about it.
0: There's this uh, this regular at the comedy store that I've gotten the pleasure of seeing like so many times. His name is Rick Ingram.
2: Oh yeah, and big, big crowd work guy. Dude,
0: yeah, I've never seen anybody handle a room like that dude does, and you to a point where I think the last time we I have a group of friends that we used to go to the store all the time. Okay, grew up in Southern California. Oh nice, so hell yeah. Um, just yeah, I don't know how that, how that happened. We we came across. Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, yeah. dude, I saw Sebastian Maniscalco perform at my high school. Jesus. The year after I graduated, him and Joe Coy. Holy shit. Performed at my fucking high school, dude. They were, they were no one at this time, you know? And, and at that time, MySpace was banging. Wow. So we become friends with like Sebastian on MySpace. And every night he would be like, hey, if you want to come to the comedy store, He would post this on his MySpace. If you want to come to the comedy store, let me know, and I'll put you on the list, because that was at the time when when the store was kind of dead, man. People didn't know about that place. Right. The podcast game wasn't happening. Yeah, it
2: was just like, oh, comedy happens here. But
0: yeah, we'd fucking go all the time. Holy shit. You were on the ground level, dude. Dude, seeing Rick Ingram, though, just destroy rooms. But to the last time we, we saw him, like he didn't do much crowd work, and it was... It was almost disappointing, but you're like, all right, well, I also want to see you flex your your joke writing, sure as well, but yeah, there's just a uh, there's nothing quite like that, uh, yeah, that skill
2: yeah, I mean, I think the best that I obviously not never saw in person, but like the kind of the ideal comic when I like think of like okay, like what would what would I want to be like would be like Patrice. Because he was so good at crowd work, but he also, like, just had material that was, like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, I can't believe you said that. and I can't believe how funny it is. But it's, like, it's really sharp, insightful, edgy. Not, like, but, like, not, like, shock fuckboy edgy. But, like, no. dude, he's, like, on, he's talking some real shit, but it's hilarious. And he can, I mean, you've probably seen, like, Elephant in the Room. I don't know if it's on the regular cut or if it's on the extended cut but there's this clip where he's in the middle of a joke and he notices this girl in the like, middle of the crowd's face and she's just like clearly not having a good time and he just stops this joke and he's like, I got to ask, like, what why, what's wrong with you? like Why are you here right now? And he just rips in his joke and it's so funny and he's making fun of her for like not enjoying a comedy show and she's trying to be like, you got to make me laugh. She's like, he's like, bitch, laughter is contagious. I've been killing all night. Like he's just... Like, this dude stopped a special. Like, he knew this was his shot that he's filming, and he's like, fuck it. I got, like, such a comic to just be like, you know what? I don't care that I'm filming my special, and I got my suit on and my hat on. I'm just, this is part of this show that this, I noticed this fucking lady mid-crowd who I can't stop thinking about, and, like, that level of just balls is, like, that's what all, that to me is, like, pinnacle stand-up comedy. It's just, like... He can do whatever he wants on stage. He can tell his jokes about not knowing how to spell restaurant, and if his gun to his mom's head, and, th- and then he can be like, you know what, lady, with your date, fuck you, here, and just rip her, and then right back into it, you know, and that is like. Fuck! Like that's that's it. That's like the guy who could do both. Like you can't beat that dude,
0: especially when he gets the laughs from the people that you know don't agree with what he's saying and stuff like that.
2: I mean, yeah, he comes out, opens that special, talking about this fucking white chick with this black guy, and he's just ripping them apart. And it's just (laughs) like you're opening your special with like, dicking all over your crowd, and like that level of just confidence and like, dude, I know I'm funny. Like I know this is gonna be funny. Is like that's. That's those levels where you're like, okay, like, this is the next level to get to, right? Like, anybody, you spend enough time, you can make people chuckle. You can even maybe get some consistent laughs. But when you're, like, that God level of just, like, dude, just throwing haymakers, like, that's what you're going for. And honestly, I think comedy is, for some reason, is, like, going away from that. There's a lot of, like, I don't know. There's just, like, this this kind of generation, I guess, I'm a part of that has just kind of gone away from like the laughs being the first and most important thing it's like so you got to make a point or it's about who you are and like that has something to do with if you're funny or not i don't know like it's just this weird new kind of mix where i just feel like those a lot of those new york guys like burr and patrice and like norton and norton. all these dudes were just like <laughs> we're just like throw funny at the wall like it's all funny we don't care we're gonna shit talk each other Like that's a different Vibe than I think what a lot of new comedy has.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's still my favorite. Right. You know, comedy. Yeah. Is, is these people, because yeah, you just also don't need to agree with everything for it to no. That's be definitely funny a funny thing. And, and also, it's like you're kind of fucked up. They're talking shit, right? Too <laughs> to a certain but degree. part of the
2: enjoyment. I think is like, dude, that is kind of fucked up. Yeah. But that's why we're laughing. Is that it's kind of fucked up. Like, what's funny about safe i don't know like there's nothing that funny about safe safety in comedy like the whole point is that it's like yeah this guy is really funny that's why he can say that um and uh yeah i don't know it's just gotten a different it's gotten a different bent now where it's like comedy yeah it's more about like i got a point to make and i you know or like i have this joke and it's kind of the punchline is like yeah isn't trump bad i don't know it's just like weak shit, and it's just like eh, i don't want to be that
0: yeah it's i'm there's just so many different lanes of it now. When you got like a Hannah Gatsby doing the, the yeah. thing, where it's where where a lot of comedians would say that she she did a TED talk more or less. Yeah, with, a, with a the couple Gatsby thing
2: of is cheating to me because it's like if you just call if you call anything stand up, I mean, okay, like, I mean, I could say I'm a fucking basketball player. I could dunk if I was putting an eight foot <laughs> hoop. You know, like what's the fucking point of that? Like, stand up comedy is supposed to be very, very, very hard. So just being like, well, I'm a stand-up comedian, too. Yeah, I do. I kind of do jokes, but mostly it's like a story about my life, and then I'll throw a couple little quips in there. It's like, that's fine if you want to do that, and if people want to sell out the, you know, whatever, wherever she did that, Australian fucking thing, like, okay, but that's not, you're not doing the job. Right. Stand-up comedy is supposed to crush people for an hour with laughter. It's not, in my in my view, I would say, it's not this like, yeah, I'll, I kind of, like, dabble in jokes. Like, what? Who? Okay, now you're just a writer. Yeah. You're just a writer For now. sure.
0: I love I love that Burr, his style is like, yo, let me say this really fucked up thing that you're going to think is, like, right way off basis, and then let me, let me walk you all the way back to let you understand why I'm saying this thing. And it kills. And, yeah, it's just like, how do I not get on board with yeah, this? Yeah, right? Or, uh... Man, have you seen that clip of Patrice? I think it's probably like an opium Anthony clip where he's talking about uh white people's reaction to when uh Radiohead's oh, Creep yeah. comes on?
2: So good. <laughs> and I mean his whole thing, like he got a whole radio show off basically just kind of like trashing women like they would do that they would call in an opian anthony and he he kind of had that character mr p that he you know became and i don't know it's just like dude like when you're at so far out there and you're just like willing to kind of throw it all on the line like it's just a different vibe than this kind of and that's not there's plenty of amazing comics right now but yeah absolutely it just feels like there's this kind of tinge of like but we got to kind of play it safe right now. We Walking gotta, on eggshells Yeah, a bit. we got to kind of like make sure that like the point is in line with whatever ideology instead of just be like, no, like l- we know this is funny or like some people are going to find this funny. Don't trip about it that much. I don't know. The idea that comedians are like, honestly a
0: worthy cause to even like (laughs) to get mad at to me is absolutely insane it's really funny that the the value that people hold their words to when their their job is supposed to be the clown
2: right like
0: to some degree
2: that to me just shows a broken society like don't blame the comics dude if if it's come to this where you guys really your only level of power is to make sure a comedian apologize for a joke then like look at where you're living that's not a good <laughs> you shouldn't be in that place where you ever think that a comedian is like the last say all on some issue it's that's insane
0: yeah Um as far as your you know more joke writing is that something you try to like exercise every day or do you just kind of try well, to do it when it's when it's yeah, inspiring to I mean do it's so? definitely
2: different now with the virus because now it's like writing bits is almost like there's nothing because I, I mean i've i mean what it's been like seven months into a lockdown basically and i've i've performed i did one weekend at helium recently because they're opened up as a feature and then i've done a few like backyard shows but beyond that like i haven't really done real comedy like consistent comedy for seven months so writing an act now and i know a lot of my comic friends have been telling me about this is like what am i writing about like everything changes so quickly You know, like, will the bit that I write about Trump getting the virus even be a relevant idea in two weeks, let alone whenever we actually get to be on, like, a stage consistently? Like, there's nothing, like, comedy, I think one of the reasons that comedy doesn't hold up well is because it is very, it's a time-based, like, art form in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, there's still bits that are classics that have kind of, but a lot of it is just, like, what was going on in the world that comedians were reacting to, so, like the idea that i would be like all right what's going on right now and let me like get this down on paper it's like dude it's do you remember what like beginning of the pandemic was like it was like (laughs) we were like oh what is this thing and not like writing it if i'd written a joke then it would have been like it has no it doesn't make sense anymore in this world so right now it's very difficult to kind of like plant a flag and something and be like all right this is like i think you know there's always like deeper shit but like without being able to test it out, like, you got to write and test. That's kind of how comedy goes. Right. Without the test part, writing just seems like you're journaling or some shit. You're just kind of like, eh, I got, I got these thoughts. I don't know if they're funny or not.
0: For sure, especially if you don't know that you are going to get up every night or every other night, maybe like you were prior to this oh, happening. Yeah. because I was you I going you're, up you're, fucking
2: t- 10, 15 times a week, and now I'm, I you know, I'll, it'll be weeks without a spot, if not months. So, yeah, it's, it's a very, like write something down, try it out. And if you don't have that second part, the first part seems kind of like, okay, like I could do this or I could just like wait until I know I'm kind of getting closer to something that I could perform.
0: Yeah, that's what that's another avenue where stand-up is so much different than music because you need that crowd Yes, to be the litmus test right. where when you write a song in your house, you kind of know, you know, if it's hitting for you.
2: For sure. And you can... Practice it a million times and you don't have to show it to anybody. You can just be like, all right.
0: You don't have to change the tag. No, yeah.
2: (laughs) No one one gets to, like, you put it out and people are like react to it how they will, but you didn't have to show them the first time you started strumming a guitar. You know, you don't have to be like, hey guys, I want to make a song. Anyways, I've never played guitar (laughs) and uh, you'll be here for every practice session and you'll let me know that I was terrible. Like, that's the huge, yeah, that's comedy is like, you see my first steps and you see my, you know, every step in between. And it's always for random people that I'll never see again for the most part.
0: What was it like being like inside helium at the comedy club again? Is it, is it just like a few people in there? Well, I did a up?
2: weekend, uh, this guy, JP Sears, who's more of like a YouTuber. Um, but he's, he's been doing stand up, I guess for like a three years or so. And he, he sells out, uh, because he is this huge, like million plus YouTube following. So, we actually did twelve shows. Um, they were each a hundred people because that's the like capacity basically. So yeah, I performed over a weekend like for like twelve hundred different people. Um, so it was a little weird, you know. I I they had been open for a couple months and I was kinda like, I don't know if I want to go back, like inside, audience, you know, they don't have to wear masks all the time when like they're eating and stuff. So but i finally was like you know what like i'll uh i'll give it a go i'll see how safe i feel i wore a mask except when i was on stage and i would leave the club basically as soon as i was done with my set so i think the club is doing everything they can i think uh you know each comic is right now kind of making their own decision to be like should i do that you know do i feel safe enough to do this and i have some friends who still haven't gone back who are like you know what i got I just, it doesn't make me feel good to, to do that. And I respect that. And, you know, I don't know. I don't have a job right now. So I was like, I could use the money. Like, I, I you know, and especially nowadays, you're like, I don't know when this money might come. So I'm going to, I'll take the paycheck.
0: Yeah, man. So this is, would you say the focus right now is is trying to figure out other avenues of comedy totally. to, you know, internet stuff? Totally. You know, it, it seems like you've... uh You've been leaning into the the man on the street stuff yeah. i love your jake on the street Thank shit, dude. You. like that that stuff is super fun yeah. to watch and especially I, I watched the proud boy one which is your most recent one yep and uh it was a fucking it was so funny watching yeah. you run into the all breaks no gas <laughs> oh, i know or all gas no brakes dude at the at the portland protest it's so
2: wild i mean it was the crazy thing like that dude's, like, 10 years younger than me, I think. Yeah, like, dude, exactly 10 hilarious. years younger. But, like, he looks like me, except he's, like, very, very successful. And, and like you're like, rich no. Off been, it.
0: You're like, I've been doing this for, like, uh, <laughs> 10 yeah, years. Yeah, <laughs> like,
2: no, it's it's fucking trippy. But, yeah, I think right now any comedian pretty much has just decided, like, stand-up is on hold. Stand-up isn't a thing that's going to be consistent. So, like, what else? So doing podcasts. Uh, I have fucking three podcasts right now doing the videos when I can, like, when events happen in Portland, um, starting just projects that aren't really based on, like, a physical real-time audience and hopefully trying to, like, find a digital audience. And honestly, dude, like, I know, like, I'm bummed, obviously, that stand-up isn't a thing because that's, like, my main passion. But And you probably know this as, like, a musician, but, like, uh, it's, I think... I've, like, been really slow on the draw of, like, really actually cultivating a digital audience. Because, like, nowadays, you know, the guys who we, you know, were talking about earlier, like, that whole generation basically came up as in, like, yep, you were a stand-up, you got known for your jokes, you got to do TV spots, and that made you bigger, and you might got to get on TVs or in movies or, you know, that was the path. But it started from being... A stand-up comic and you know just working your way in the clubs and now it's like I mean you know like just the guy I worked for JP like he's headlining clubs he sells out everywhere he goes he's been doing stand-up for three years it's not because he's like the funniest dude in the world he built an audience on YouTube over six years that has now got him where he can go to clubs and do that so that is like on just like I think a lot of comics like me were really resistant. I was like, no, I'm just going to be a stand-up. I'm going to get the best in that. I mean, I I know people who have done late night shows hasn't made a single difference in their career. You know, they've been on yeah, they, and it just because that doesn't held it's the water. The same it's thing. Not anymore. the same. You, you, there's guys who've never done a late night. You know, like who have an amazing podcast. They don't. What do they need Conan for? They have. They reach 250,000 people a week through their podcast. They don't need conan's five minute spot on tv you know that's like irrelevant at this point so i think really i'm trying to use it as just like yo this is like a year year and a half where hopefully you kind of just yeah find people online who fuck with you so then when you do go back out they'll come to your shows because that's really all you can do now is find people online who are willing to be like oh i fucking love this guy's podcast or video or whatever bam they come to your shows now you're a comic it's like well i have this audience man like if you hire me you are guaranteed to sell tickets because i have all these people
0: yeah yeah it's been an interesting time man and like i i hate to see you know i've i've gotten to know a lot of different artists in this community here in portland and and outside and seen some maybe some bands and some artists that have built some real momentum for themselves and and this thing is obviously just really sidelined all that yeah and i hate to see that but i also love to see the people who have really like leaned into it and have figured out hey i'm just gonna figure out a different way to be be creative yeah and i'm gonna you know find a different fucking avenue for you know, putting my music out or, you know.
2: It's the only way. To, I mean, because was the other option? You just hang it up for a year?
0: But I, mean, I think we, some people are. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think I think some people don't feel that comfortable with trying new shit. But honestly, it's like that's going to get you left behind. Like I, I know it's like cold, but it's like no one cares about you until they care about you. You know, like you're no one to anybody until yeah. you're a thing.
0: I mean, no one expected this to go on as long as it yeah. has. And we don't even know if we're going to see a second heavy wave of it
2: we don't know if like i know i mean i think comics but just people in general are at this point oh like 2020 sucks it's like this could be the fucking beginning what just because our fake calendar says it's going to be 2021 january 1st that means the world is better no dude we have no idea what it's going to be like so like yeah get used to the fact that this might be a new norm and even if it wasn't the internet is not going away you're competing, you're not, that's the other thing, is like stand-ups for sure are not just competing with other stand-ups anymore. They're competing with YouTube guys. They're competing with guys on TikTok. They're like, comedy has opened up to a point where it's like, why wouldn't a club give a weekend to a guy who's guaranteed going to sell out five shows, even if, even if by any standard, they're not as funny. Right. It's not as unique. It's just kind of blase. The the Comedy club is a business. They're going to look at it like, oh, we are definitely going to, take your yeah you're great dude. you're hilarious you're much funnier than this person but they have a fan base and that fan base is going to buy tickets they're going to buy food they're going to buy a drink and they're going to buy merch that's a full package deal that you are not unless you have that you can't offer anybody
0: absolutely and
2: so i think you just got to start building that because until you do that it the way up is a lot harder it's not impossible but the way up is a lot harder
0: for sure uh do you find that the uh, doing the man on the street stuff really lends itself to the crowd work and kind of vice versa?
2: I think so. I mean, it's it's been such a trip because, like, I started the Jake on the Streets thing as just um, a segment. I, I was a part of, like, basically, like, a comedy variety sketch show downtown through this little uh, independent comedy theater called Kickstand. Um, and so, you know, I was doing a a show. And we were just like, Oh, we should have a man on the street segment of the show, you know, very kind of generic, hey, go out and talk to people doing different stuff. And uh, so that was just kind of it was just based within this world of a show, you know, I was kind of just like the reporter and we would cut to the clip. And that was it. And yeah, we put them online. But it wasn't really like a thing I really thought about. And then, you know, I started to realize like, Oh, this is like a good extra practice to kind of talk to people be quick in the moment use that kind of on the feet thinking and it's weird because like when i started doing those i remember like that's where i found out about all gas no breaks like i didn't know about him or his thing until i started doing my own and i was like oh this dude is doing it on like a whole other level going around the country and yeah. you know i'm just this little portland comic who's kind of just doing this you know as a part of the show So it's been weird that it evolved to a point where I was like, oh, I do want to keep doing these, but it's also crazy because that dude is, is the guy now, you know, it's kind of like anybody playing during the Jordan era wasn't going to be Michael Jordan. Like he's, he's already there. He's, you know, he's got the fan base. He's got people are expecting him to make videos. He's been to Portland twice. So it's kind of a trip to be like, man, I didn't start this trying to do this, but now I look at that guy and I'm like, dude, that would be such a a thing you know like that's an awesome thing especially for a comic i think the one thing that i'm right now figuring out is like well i look like this motherfucker i've met this guy how can i differentiate and i think the one thing that i can is that he isn't like a comic most of his thing is like letting the other person talk and kind of let them which i think really has its benefits but i can bring the other side of like let me kind of interact with the people a bit because that's that's what I've trained my brain to do. So I'm hoping to be like when we continue to do them is like, all right, well, all gas, you know, not like I'm really comparing them because I'm, you know, again, doing it on a tiny level. Yeah. But, you know, like stylistically, he's going to kind of let the people talk. He's going to let them. He's just going to ask questions to kind of keep them talking, whereas I could maybe give more of like a comedian side of it and like it's like oh jake is being funny and he's like fu- he's responding in a funny way to whatever weird shit they're saying
0: right you're going to so, be a little more uh hopefully a little more prepared for those yeah, types of things and uh exactly. you know spin things right. in of like directions
2: exactly use it for more material than just like kind of the, what they're doing which is you know more of just like hey we found this crazy person we're going to let them talk until they say some wild shit uh, which i think is amazing and i think what they're doing is crazy but you know, when you're already when you're looking at the like, oh, shit, that's what the, the top tier is doing. You got to figure out a way that's different enough so people will be like, well, I'll fuck with this guy, too. You know?
0: Yeah. Do you find that that people are pretty responsive right away once they see the dude and walking around with a microphone and someone with a camera that that people are really willing to jump on the mic? Because just for the, the attention,
2: I think especially, yeah, like especially these political events like we did three different videos at downtown when the feds were in town and then obviously we just did the proud boy and like the proud boys for sure are definitely trying to get media attention because like that's their whole thing is like they want to be in the media that's like i mean this is a little bit of a tangent but like to me that shit what they're doing is like yeah i'm sure some of those guys agree with what the fuck they're talking about i'm sure they are they love trump but like it's also a show and it's also an entertainment thing for them like dude i mean they fucking raised a giant American flag to Jimi Hendrix's fucking national anthem. I mean, how
0: fucking ironic is right. it that? Yeah,
2: dude, it's. I mean, it's wild. crazy. So that's to me, it's like they're putting on a show for people who have these beliefs, and they know they can entertain. Like people, and so, and they also feel like they're, you know, being pushed out. Like they feel like persecuted. their America is yeah, exactly. being take so, over so they're an audience when you go to like for the most part unless they totally distrust the media which we did run into a few people who were like no there's no way i would get on it but beyond that a lot of them want to say their piece because they they feel like they've been talking in the void you know they'll say some shit on twitter but now they have a camera and a guy with a microphone and he looks he cares about what i'm saying sure i'll fucking tell you my ideas and then it's just like once people start talking man They'll say some shit about themselves that you're like, did you wanna I mean, they know what they said, like they're not stupid, but you're also like you're revealing a lot about yourself. You're 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 letting details out that are more than just, you know, basic info. You're clearly like have some shit on your mind. So, I think when you go to a place that's already tension enough and people got a an angle they want to grind, like that's perfect for this kind of shit. Just fucking stick a mic and they'll they'll say something that you can use.
0: Yeah. And then, are you obligated to get some sort of consent from them to use that piece after, or like how does that?
2: I don't think so. I mean, basically, like we ask them, we're not filming them without their consent. We say, "Can we interview you?" And um, I'm sure there might be some shows that would do like a consent form, but like for us, it's like I'm not lying to them. I, anytime someone asks me, I'm I never lie. I'm like, here's my channel, you know. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not I never try to like confuse what I'm doing. I don't know if they know like I'm a comedian, but I'm also like not I'm asking questions and they're giving me the answers they're gonna give. Like so I don't know what else to
0: really do about it. Yeah. You're not like something like the Proud Boy thing. You're not walking up to people also and just being like, So you're an asshole Proud Boy. No. (laughs)
2: Well that would get you nowhere too. Like you kind of have to like give them I mean, I think the deeper like philosophical thing is like being a person who's interviewing people, like you do in some way have to at least kind of try to have some empathy for their side because without it that's not like who wants to see just an attack interview that's not interesting anybody i want like i want them to be like oh i'm like maybe not like they don't think i'm a proud boy but they think like okay this guy's gonna give me a fair shot which is all you and that's ethically what you're supposed to do like you're not so i'm I'm not trying to gotcha them in the interview like i might you know we'll we'll use the funniest parts because i'm a comedian and it's it's not i'm not dan rather
0: yeah you're not a journalist. No, I, like, and I'm
2: not claiming that either. I'm just I want to make videos that are like I don't want to misrepresent totally what they say. I'm not going to cut it to the point of like, dude, he really didn't. You know, he didn't say it like that. And we're I'm not I'm trying to give them I want it to be honest, because if if it's honest and funny, that's way better than like, oh, clearly, clearly he cut this so badly that it's this guy didn't mean that. And uh, and I, I do think about those questions, even if it's like like Proud Boys, I don't agree. I don't you know, those guys to me seem like kind of douches, but like I got to give them at least a little bit of like, okay, like you are people and you do have a point of view because if not, they're going to be like, fuck you, dude. What are you just going to call me an asshole? Like I'm whatever. So
0: yeah. And I think that stuff is super interesting. I think I've definitely been, I don't know. I've been compelled myself to just want to kind of do an episode on Trump supporters and be like, yeah. Why? Like what keeps you in right. on this or like with anyone,
2: I guess. I mean, any community or, or subgroup of the human species is going to if is going to have some interesting insight into like why they are like this.
0: Whoa, bud. Damn. Really ravening. Ripping
2: in. down MLK, baby. Dang. Yeah. There's no cops out anymore. So I guess people are just, <laughs> <laughs> just fucking cruising. All the cops are uh, occupied. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I, I do find it, the more I've done it, the more like fascinating I found it because the other thing that you do is no matter the group, no matter, no matter what they say they stand for and no matter what people have told you about them, you will find individuals and in nuance. And I just think that's so much more interesting than what we're fed all the time, which is just even the proud boys, even, you know, you, you're told they're going to, you know, that and I don't know if you remember what that was being built up is like someone might get shot. Yeah. Someone I'm, might be killed. And maybe it would have been had they been next to each other. But, you know, when I went there, I was like, this is not the vibe I expected today. This is like a fucking, these guys are partying. I mean, half these dudes are wasted right now. Yep. I didn't expect that. I, I, I thought they were going to be like a highly kind of disciplined, regi- you know, I didn't know much about the Proud Boys, So I go there. I'm like, oh, these are a bunch of good old boys. Like, yeah, they like Trump. But a lot of them were just fucking like, they got their trucks. They got their fucking 18 rack of brew. They're here to hear the message that they already believe in. And they're going to fucking go home feeling good about themselves in a little buzz. Like, I did not expect that from what (laughs) I've read and what I've, you know, you see them because they're brawling all the time. You're like, oh, shit, these guys are going to be, most of these guys are fucking like, yeah, they want to play dress up. They want to fucking play the part.
0: They want to be one of the boys. Exactly.
2: They want to be a boy. You
0: basically went to a fucking tailgate
2: party. It was. I mean, <laughs> if you took away Trump and put in any type of sporting event, it would have felt almost the exact same. If there was a big screen where they were playing the Super Bowl, it would have been almost the exact same feeling. It was people who were on the same side. It was just a bunch of Philadelphia Eagles fans getting fucked up and having a good time with what they what they like. And I don't know. It's You just get to know people more a little bit when you actually start asking them like what do you actually believe or what are you doing here rather than just this like these are the you know you get this wikipedia article it's like that's not fucking reality i want to know what the people are about
0: yeah i think that's rather that you get like this firsthand experience yeah and get to uh make your own judgments from that right point of view you know And we need more
2: of that now, too, because right now we're just getting these camps where it's like, fuck them and fuck them. It's like, well, have you ever talked to any? And again, I'm not trying to, like, fucking put my stamp of approval on Proud Boys or anybody I I interview. But it is more of like you at least got to get to talk to some of them before you throw that out there.
0: Well, it's just the I mean, the flip side of it, too, is like you go down to three nights of protesting and you get a couple of people saying stupid shit there shit there.
2: And I get you get people who are. You know who, you know you get people there who are like, I don't think this is what we were supposed to be doing. Like, I don't like that it's gotten some of this shit that I see that the protests are doing or not. And I'm, you know, and they're they're like, I agree with the message, but I don't think it's the right tactics. And it's like, even that, like, you know, we're led to believe like all protesters think the same thing, and they believe it's like, no, they don't. They're fucking people. They have their own experiences. Some people think you should fucking throw a brick at a cop. Some people think. You should sit in the park silently and and just don't do any. I mean, there's a whole range of people, and until you talk to them, you're not really experiencing like what anybody is about.
0: Right? Yeah. Just from uh, going down to some of those nights of the protests, you know, and and maybe some some folks that that I grew up with in other places are kind of just like, "You're out there, man. Like, right. is, is are you are you okay? Right, you know, right. like every night getting <laughs> yeah. text messages. Are you all right?" And it's yeah. just like yeah man i mean you're just you're really seeing it's nice i i really i wanted to go down there you know to support the cause support the the blm movement and shit but like it's your only way to really know what's happening is being out there because when you do when you're out there and then you see the the media footage of it you're just like this is you're you're all just twisting the narrative however you need it to be oh yeah whether right or wrong yeah
2: it's crazy yeah the more you the more you do any of this type of stuff the more you realize like what a narrative is and like how it starts to play out in people's minds and like and it really just stems from like we don't really talk to a lot of people who are different than us and so like just i think the more people doing that even on camera or not it doesn't really you know just like get out there and like chat with some people who you probably don't agree with is gonna be good for your psyche and your like tethers into reality i think
0: for sure man yeah yeah those videos are cool like um outside of the the more political ones that have gone on recently i was even just watching your your portland brunch one oh, today yeah. <laughs> like, that was early great yeah. dude. Early goings yeah it's <laughs> like i'm going to ask all these idiots why they're going to wait 2 hours in line right. to get these chicken and waffles today just
2: you know just just step out it's like for me it's good cuz i have such fucking anxiety with people that like having and having a mic you know be it stand up or doing the st- on the street stuff is like it's kind of this like f- pretend world where i can be like all right like i'm not just i'm not talking to a random person i'm like doing something because it's like i would not want to go up to random people and just talk to them i have like a super like no i don't want to meet strangers and i have a big like anxiety about it but when i put a mic in my hand and a camera i'm like all right i can like kind of get into this performance of this and that like allows me to like learn about the world in a way that i can do it rather than just being like what's up proud boy like can you tell me about it's like no like i have to be doing something or else i could never get into that
0: is that is that anxiety something you have to overcome for hopping on the stage? Still,
2: for uh, yeah, I mean, I think b- before any performance, there's going to be a little. Even if it's a, a bar show with ten people, you're still like, okay, like I still have to perform. I'm still doing something, and I think it's good. You got to have some of it. I, I, I don't know this like level of comfort where you just aren't affected. just seems like, well, why are you still doing it then? Like, what wh- if there's no stakes for you? Then what, <laughs> what's the fucking point? Yeah, for sure.
0: So yeah, I mean yeah, even uh, even doing these still, man. Like driving over to people's places or totally. wherever I'm meeting. At, there's there's always maybe a few minutes where I'm like, what am I doing? Oh yeah, yeah. am I going?
2: Yeah, when you Do- came over, I was I like, oh, I'm fuck, bail. This was a mistake. <laughs> why? Did, why? Oh, I I could have just not talked to somebody <laughs> today, and you know. But now we get into it. It's fun. It's great. It's what yeah, I, you know.
0: And it's uh yeah, it completely ends up changing the day for me. I can't tell you how many of these. I've done with people where I'm maybe having like a fucked up day or a shitty right. day. And then, and I want to bail on it the yeah. whole day. I'm, I'm just like, Oh, I hope that right. they tell me they can't do it. Right. That was not the case today. I wanted to, you wanted, I wanted to, to have it. This, it was a nice day. <laughs> it I was wasn't, like, a, it Oh, was we, we, we still today. get to hang out yeah. outside. And, and, uh, I think there was maybe even, uh, I think with, with the musicians sometimes I, I can maybe even do too much research. Where I'm oh, like really diving into records right. and I want to talk about certain right. parts, where I uh, I maybe figured since you do stand up, you'd you'd have some things to say, and I didn't yeah. have to have too many talking points in case. Stand-ups and and some
2: can always talk about
0: stand up. Yeah, man. it's just that's part of it. It's like sometimes I need notes for these, and sometimes I don't. And, yeah, uh, but yeah, man, so many of those times that I've had like a shitty day and and thought about bailing, I walk away from the conversation like so filled up and and feel like I got so much out of it and I'll tell the person like, "Yo, you changed my day today. I I was really having one and uh, now I feel much different because of this.
2: Yeah. And like anything, you know, creative or like interesting is just gonna like, I think, I don't know. There's so many times where I'm like, fuck, you know, you do it enough. You're like, I don't want to do this set tonight, man. This show's not going to have anybody, and I'm not feeling my jokes. And then you do it, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. Like, even if even if the set was only okay, it's like, God, I got practice. I got out of my house. I got out of my fucking head for 10 minutes, which is, like, a big thing for me. It's just like, all right, I'm not I – mean, I mean, I know it sounds, like, cheesy, but for me, it's like, God, stand-up is, like, kind of the freest I am when I'm being able to do it because it's just, like – all right, like I'm in the moment, like it's forcing me to be in the moment. It's like dragging me like you can't be anywhere else, man. There's too much going on. You can't you can't have anxiety about the past or worries about the future or you know money or job or if you're having a problem with the lady. Anything goes. You get this little window of time where you're just like this is it. This is daddy's time right now. <laughs> and then that, you know the problems will be there when you come back, but you get that little fucking slice and like That's the addiction. Like, I think that is the addiction. It's just like, God, I want that fucking... That time is like, there we go. Yeah. Even if I'm bombing at this point, I'm just like, that's my time. I get this time. Whatever else happens during the day, the show, I got that little slice of like that piece of freedom. And that, man, is like, you can't... That's why fucking people do this for 15 years and make no money is because they get that little, little slice and they don't really care about the money at the end of the day because they're like, "Well, yeah, I'm broke and I live with ten other people or whatever, but I got that little piece, and that that does it. That does it for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, the magic is in the unknown. Usually, yeah, if you're like willing to to lean into it, it seems.
2: Yes, and the more you do, the better you, the results are, anyways.
0: Um. Yeah, I got. I know you. You went on a little hunting expedition with our boy Alex recently. Our mutual friend Alex. Yeah, must have been a trip. It was. I know you're not a hunter. I'm not. (laughs) He was just like Jake's. Just down to go. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I. I, Yeah, I'm actually. Hopefully, I'm. Um, I wrote a little piece about it for the Willamette Week, so that should be out hopefully by this time the podcast drops. I guess. Um, yeah, me and him, Alex. You know, he's getting in his whole like. I don't know what he's in He's into. preparing for that apocalypse. Yeah, he's bro. done. I That's mean, he's, he's done. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah, he, we, we came back from that. You know, we were talking about, you know, the end of the world and all this shit. He texted me. He's like, yo, dude, I just dropped five hundred on a on body armor. I'm getting an AK, like <laughs> shit's in the mail. And I was just like, he's like, I'm about to buy this land. It's 20K. Yeah, I'm about to buy this yeah. land. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> So yeah, he's 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 going full in, dude. He's going full in. But I don't know. It was fun. I was out there, you know, we we're out there for a week, missed the second week of the smoke here. That was awesome. Got to be in the woods, camping, you know, just being off being in the in in the land for a little bit, just not in the house, not in the fucking humdrum of this bullshit.
0: For sure. I gotta imagine, like, those are the types of experiences that are, like, helpful for you to, like, lean on for some writing material, too, when you're doing something like that. You
2: gotta. I mean, you gotta kind of live a... That's... I mean, you... it Stand-up also forces you to be like, dude, like, you gotta have interesting things to talk about, so... Yeah, you could be comfortable and turn down this hunt, but you could also... Go on a hunt, even though you're not a hunter and you don't eat meat. Go on. See what happens, you know, and have a weird DMT trip, you know. Yeah, fucking yeah. have some mushrooms when you shouldn't be having <laughs> mushrooms and you're trying to help, <laughs> hunt a fucking elf, you know. Those are the kind of things that will fucking spin you out a little bit and be like, all right, well, at least you did something, you know. At least who knows where that will lead.
0: Yeah. there's a. Uh, am pretty sure it's Sinbad. Pete Holmes used to talk about this Sinbad uh, little little nugget of information I guess was just that Simbad always talked about how important it was to to stay connected with like the everyday experience even when you become successful. You know, because like he would talk about how, you know, the funny shit happens to him when he was riding the bus every day. Yeah. As soon as you don't have to ride the bus anymore, then you're losing out on all these experiences.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're performing for everyday people. You gotta kinda know that's why think you know that's like a trend in music and comedy and anything else is like once it's such a stereotype oh they got big and then they kind of sucked it's like well it's because they were living a real life when they were grinding and working and now they're a superstar who has their own private plane and their private bus and it's like yeah you're still okay but you don't know what it's like anymore you've forgotten that what yeah what is your day-to-day like you might have to go get your own coffee you might right. you know like everything is done now you you don't have to worry about this shit and comedy is is a it's a blue collar thing i mean it's literally the most democratic probably art public art form you just need a microphone and a space to do it and that's it you know there's no there's no big entry fee there's no you know you don't need to buy an easel and $1000 worth of paint or you just fucking anybody can do you can go to an open mic seven nights a week in this country and fucking do that and and i and so it is tethered to like everyday people's normal reality where it's like yes you deal with frustrating fucking weirdos and you the fun you know talk about the funny parts of that yeah
0: did your um your interest in writing come along with the stand-up or was or were you doing some writing before you got into it
2: um, maybe a little, I was doing like a lot of, uh, when I was traveling, I was keeping pretty extensive, like travel journals and stuff. Um, my dad is a writer. His kind of, my dad's family is like all literary kind of people. So my dad, his sister, my aunt, his father owned a bookshop. So that kind of side of the family is very like word intensive. Um, and so a little bit of that kicked down my way, but yeah, stand up has opened up more opportunities for writing because, you know, if. You're funny people throw you a job here or there you know like the willamette gives me a freelance piece once in a while hey i went on a hunting trip can i write about it hey i did this you know so that kind of stuff will definitely open up because of the comedy
0: yeah you, you enjoy doing that stuff then
2: i do it's a different skill you know writing for the stage where you're going to speak it versus writing for the page where people will only read it they won't hear your tone and they won't hear you saying it right is like a much diff like you really have to be clear like focus on clarity focus on like right correct word choice complete thoughts complete thoughts you don't get to kind of like ad-lib a little bit on stage you it's like what's down is down and 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 that's like a whole other like art form to learn which you know, I'm happy to kind of get to do now and again.
0: Yeah, man, it's different. I get to do some writing for, uh, for vortex music magazine every once in a while. And, uh, they've been super supportive of this thing, but it's still, you know, when you're, when you're writing a piece from that and then you're, you're getting somebody's notes on it back. uh, of edits that you need to be making. You're just like, oh, man, I didn't have to think about this when I was just talking into a microphone. Exactly,
2: (laughs) dude. Yeah, you never, like, yeah, the notes, I'll get back. I'm like, oh, fuck, he didn't get that? That's weird. Okay, I guess I got to be better at, like, you know, it's all, you really get much more of a sense of, like, what other people are picking up from what you're ever laying down on the page, whereas, like, you could be saying a lot of sentences and no one ever gives you, like, real feedback. I guess in comedy they give you laughs or not, but after that it's just kind of like, I don't know what you got.
0: Right. So... And what about the podcast, man? Like, are those uh, just you with other comedians talking shit? Are there themes to the to the things that you're, yeah, uh, you're well, doing? Yeah, well, the
2: quarantine kind of brought out uh, all these projects. I was doing one. The one I had kind of previous to quarantine, which was actually, like, dormant. We had just shut it down and probably weren't really going to do it. Is It was called uh, Did We Solve It? And uh, it's like a, it's like three comedians talk about race, basically. So it's myself, who's like a white Jewish guy, and then my buddy Naraj, who's an Indian dude, and then my buddy Shane, who's like half black and half Filipino. So we, I don't know, we were just having conversations before, and we were like, we should just do this This is a pod. Like, it'll be funny, but we can also talk about real shit. And so we picked that one up during the quarantine just because we are like, well, it's still a project. People still remember it, um, and we none of us have any stand-up to do and then I started two others. Uh, one is called back of the room and that's with a couple local comics. Um, and that is just kind of comedians talking shit, just kind of like, yo, we just want to make each other laugh. And then the third one I started, uh, is called what is stuff. And that's like kind of like half comedy, half, like it's my buddy Hunter, uh, who I do a lot of like collaboration with. Uh, we've done a lot of shows together and we've just kind of, Become, I would say, like comedy partners in a way. Just we have a we have a link that like really works well. We we kind of play off each other's strengths uh, in, in a lot of cool ways. But he just was like, "Yo, we should do a podcast where we talk about like kind of like critical theory and like just like kind of more like intellectual ideas." And it kind of just formed into like you know we read a piece about either like a current event or just something that we're interested in, and you know we kind of have like a very like deep connection on like riffing and comedy stuff, but then we can get into like, kind of like what we believe about it. So I really like it. It's a very like nice mix of like really funny kind of weird shit. And then like, Oh, but we're also going to like try to like talk about these ideas that we find interesting. So I don't know. It's cool. It's a, uh, it's a lot of talking each week. Cause I do, you know, three different hours and then like, uh, but I think it's, It's again, it's like a way to build an audience, especially now when shit is totally turned down.
0: Yeah. So it's got to keep you uh, keep the brain moving, too. And yeah, maybe, you know, so many so many uh, bits seem to come from the podcast now. If you're if you're uh, if you're intent listeners to, you know, a certain comedian's podcast, you're bound to see some of those things that were funny and end up in their act. Totally. They
2: go on stage at some point, and, yeah, it's, it's a good way to, like, still be kind of practicing the art of being funny while talking, and you can't get an audience, so you can at least do it through a podcast.
0: And what about the hoops, man? Are you still, like, playing some recreational hoops here and there? <laughs> right now,
2: what? I'm not trying to get breathed on by anybody. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, but in general, like, in outside
0: general, of the COVID world, is yeah, that something outside, that you still love to do?
2: Yeah, me and uh, a comedian and, like, the manager from Helium would play now and again over down to L.A. Fitness and shit. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, it, it's uh, it's. I wish I could do more of, but, uh, yeah, you start to feel your age a little bit. The knees are a little less, like, Resilient, and the bat—you know—just shit. You're like, oh, I guess that's gonna hurt now after I play ball. So, it's definitely slowed down, but still, like, yeah, the main athletic passion, I'd say.
0: You watch pretty intently.
2: Yeah, I was just watching the finals before
0: you came over here. Yeah, I know. I realize that am um, <laughs> fucking messing up the finals <laughs> yeah. right now doing this podcast. So,
2: yeah, dude. But yeah, I like, I like, I like watching. I mean, I'm a sports guy. You know, I like sports. It's honestly like there's kind of a small cadre of comedians who fuck with sports and there's like a lot of nerdy people who could give two shits about yep. it so there's like you kind of relate to some of the guys who are like oh you're like a sports comic like you fuck with sports too and they, they're not mutually exclusive right uh, so yeah
0: I, yeah I dig that it's the same i i feel like that's you know the art community in general like when you find another sports fan within right. there you're just you're like oh shit okay. yeah it's yeah like how alex and i connected on hockey right so it's like whoa you play ice hockey dude i don't know anybody that
2: <laughs> right plays right. ice hockey right a rapper and ice hockey, and then yeah. all
0: all of a sudden you know half of our team is all like musicians totally. or you know thing, yeah things of that nature yeah man um well, cool man I'll, yeah. I'll put all the links in the episode notes to uh totally so people can follow along with what you're doing with the, it. the podcast and the, i'll put your youtube channel up there and, yeah. and definitely people should check out your crowdwork album that's up on the streaming services and also the video is up on the, the yeah up on the
2: youtube yeah so if you want to watch it as a special you can do that or if you want to just if you're in the car and you want to listen to an album throw it on there it's on spotify and pandora and all those so yeah, yeah get it
0: wherever this was this was cool, man. I fucking I dig I dig what you're doing. Thank you, you man. I'm, I'm, I appreciate uh,
2: it. Thanks for coming over and chatting with a
0: a, a comedian who has no audience anymore. <laughs> I feel like I just
2: fucking threw all this shit the whole time,
1: but
0: no, man. Yeah, you you have uh, you got plenty to to check out, and and people seem to have a lot of time right now. So totally, yeah. They should uh they should lock in with what you're doing, and uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Definitely check out some of these these more recent Jake on the Street videos to see see the craziness of the world.
2: Yeah, throw it out there, share it. You know, we're we're unfortunately competing with a younger, smarter, quicker, more internet savvy, tall, curly haired dude who's already doing this. So support the little guy. (laughs) Support support the guy who's struggling and. I mean, literally, people have been like, oh, I thought you were all gas, no break. When I was not at the protest, people were coming up to me like, I love your videos. And I was like, he's here, dude. He is around. It's not me.
0: You're like, do you see me yeah, in that like, suit? Right. Do, you, do you see the uniform?
2: Not, I'm not in the suit. His cameraman, I was. we were standing like a couple feet from them at the Proud Boy rally, and his cameraman was like, yo, do you want to go... Inter-, his The the interviewer guy, his name is Andrew. He's like, you want to go interview fake Andrew? And he was like, nah, I'm cool. <laughs> I, was <just laughs> like, I was like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> I'm, don't I'm being, don't I'm being, call cl- me that. I'm being clowned by a 22-year-old cameraman right now because I look like the more successful guy.
0: Yeah, people should check out that that protest night just to see your your little run in with him. Yeah, it was very funny. Yeah,
2: it was very weird, very surreal. All
0: right, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time and you know swallowing some of your anxiety to let a stranger <laughs> in your in your house and hang out on your patio here and uh, chatted up about comedy and all that jazz. Totally, man.
2: Thanks for coming. Thanks yeah, for having me.
0: We end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is "It's a program." So if we could get the the Jake Silberman, it's a program. We can uh, properly sail this thing out, man. Hey, it's a program. He nailed it, everybody. It was Jake Silverman. Links are in the episode notes. That's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side.
2: Portland. Wow, nice. And then, so right after that, you went to college? Or did you bounce
3: around no, for a little bit? Dude, I was at community college for like five or six years. <laughs>
2: That's jail, bro. That's fucking goddamn. Fuck a weekend. You were in there for five or six years for a two-year degree? Woo! Talk about prison, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fuck! You were taking half class at a time? You're just like... <laughs> I'm going to go We're to one credit on this round, buddy. <laughs> Jesus. Fuck. All right. No, so you have had a journey. No, I like this. All right. Every person has their story. All right. So five or six years. We don't even really know anymore. It's <laughs> lost, like, lost like years in Nam. We have no idea. Uh, five or six years. Okay. And so you're just kind of bouncing around, just doing math 101, geo, like you're just like, art history 101, getting units, getting units, baby, getting units is such a great way. Yeah, getting my units, dude. I was getting my fucking units, bro. <laughs> Holy shit, man. God damn, you're making this basically life failure sound so hard right now, and I fucking love it, man. All right. This is your story that you got to write. Fuck this Toyota commercials, bro. Send getting units to Hollywood? That's getting made, man. That's getting made. Getting units. All right, so five or six years in community college. Eventually, where do you land for your 4 year degree?
3: Uh, Cal Arts. Cal Arts. Yeah.
2: And how long did that take you?
3: <laughs> five years. Uh, you got five years?
2: Bro, you spent a decade. <laughs> What were you, like, Like I don't want to shit on you. Like, were you, I have been shitting on you the whole time, so I don't know why I'm saying that. <laughs> I not you. Anyways, um, so you, uh, were you like working odd jobs or like why why did it take so long basically? I took a
3: year off in the middle and also I was, uh, I had to start as a freshman there because they didn't let people in mid midterm for the bachelor's degree. Okay. So I had the units it meant I didn't have to go full time, but then I went for four years.
2: Everybody loves the word units now. Everybody's like, we're making the word units. All right. And then you finally get it. So you literally, like, through the mud, and then you come out with a theater writing degree. (laughs) Like, the amount of effort it took you, you should have had a PhD in physics, but you're like, I fucking got it! Holy shit, dude. Fuck, oh. So you're 40 at this time. Like you're, how old are you when you finally get out? 27. 20. Oh fuck. Okay. So you start at 17. All right. So 27. You got your theater degree in hand. You got life scars as well. You know you've been through some shit. And then how does one go about like making it in the world of writing play? I don't know, do you just sit at home and write a play and hopefully someone picks it up or is it like, what's the path there? Uh,
3: I submitted them to theater companies. I moved to New York. I worked with some theater companies there.
2: <sighs> Did it any get picked
3: up, do you write? Yeah, I, I was involved in some production of uh, like small theater stuff in downtown. It was fun. Yeah. Hey
2: man, that's how, yeah, this Montana lady approves this, so. <laughs> you know, it's like, or was that your wife? I have no idea. It's like, yeah, it's my fucking husband. I forgot you were there, honestly. I forgot about that. Uh, I've been locked into your husband so much. I feel like I know him better than you do at this point. But, um, and we will have sex uh, later. Uh, me and you. Um, wow, okay. Wow, you got a story, man. You got a whole path. And you did it.
3: Thanks for letting me share my story.
2: (laughs) This has been the moth. Uh, (laughs) 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 Hey, you were letting me share my story. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Okay. All right. That's crazy, bro. That's crazy. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to follow a similar path, you know? I'm trying to do comedy, and then it's just like 10 years from now, I was like, I work the bar mitzvah crowd mostly. You know, it's just like whatever that fucking path is. You know, but all right. Units. Units, baby, getting those units. Get that tattooed across your fucking units. Got my units, bro. Got my fucking units. Crazy. And you, you and him, you and him are good. Solid. You're literally at this point only thumbs up at this point. Okay. How long have you guys been a thing?
3: We just
2: celebrated our year anniversary. Married or or, or we're just dating. Just dating.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking weird. I don't know. Yeah, there
2: it is. Wow. <laughs> One year. Nice. Solid. Solid year. You guys you guys live together?
3: Not yet, no.
2: Cool. Oh. That takes well, what do you mean? Ooh. What? <laughs> what
3: the fuck are you? Yeah. It's their life. <laughs>
2: Would you, oh, did they say yet?
3: Yeah, he said not yet.
2: So I have it will. What well, sounds like you have expectations for them? <laughs> you're you ready for them to move in together? His fucking dad or something is like rubbing his shoulders, like, dude, you're gonna do great with her. All right. <laughs> do you and your lady live together? No. They shut the fuck up. What are you fucking? What are you talking? To? <laughs> Yeah, dude, they're gonna be great. <laughs> I could never commit to some shit like that, but.
1: <laughs> it hey, it's a program.